Hey, Pie Tribe, buckle up for a new episode of the Passive Income Examiner, the number one podcast for budding entrepreneurs and business owners looking to diversify their income with passive strategies. Welcome to season two, focused on building successful online businesses with evergreen marketing solutions. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland. Thanks for joining me. Howdy, welcome back. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland small business strategist focusing on helping service-based business owners develop passive revenue streams so you can unplug from your business without taking a hit in your bottom line. We are in a mini-series discussing five reasons why your product or service is not selling. Here's a quick recap of what we've covered so far. Reason number one was messaging. There are so many factors that go into messaging. In season two, episode two, I went into a lot of these different areas and I gave you a formula to use to check your messaging and improve this important area. Reason number two is visibility. Let's say you have a great message, but you aren't putting it out enough or to the right audience. Then that could be pitfall number two. In episode four of season two, we dug into visibility. What does it really take to be visible? And what are the big factors that typically stand in the way of businesses when it comes to visibility. So if you missed any of those episodes, go back to the beginning of the season, which by the way, just kicked off so you don't have far to go back (laughs) and uh, listen to those episodes again because I think you're gonna enjoy them. Now, what do you think reason number three is that your product or service isn't selling? Humor me here and walk down this proverbial bunny trail with me. We first talked about messaging and visibility. Imagine what experience your ideal client is having. First, we'll assume that your branding and marketing is effective. This ideal client both saw your message, saw your ad, and took the bait with your messaging to inquire further. Now it's your time to shine, or possibly your team's time to shine. The point at which your ideal client is now interested in your product or service. All right, so have you guessed what the reason is? Number three? Well, if you're thinking sales, you're correct. So many business owners worry and fret over advertisements, what they'll look like, where to put it, and how much it's going to cost. Are they driving traffic? All those things. But they fail to look at what is happening with the leads once their leads come in. So first, I'm going to break down to you how to evaluate your sales process and then give you three ways to increase your sales strategy that you can implement today. And by the way, these are quite funny. So even if you don't feel like you struggle with sales, it's recommended to listen because you'll get a good laugh out of what I'm going to talk about today. Even I was giggling as I wrote the episode. All right. So whether you own a company that is small to medium, maybe you you have a few salespeople or maybe you wear all the hats in your business. Either way, what this information is going to be is going to be useful um, for you in both situations. So start out by looking at your numbers. A company that does not track their numbers does not grow. So even though it may be intimidating or frankly flat embarrassing to look at your conversion ratios, it is necessary and worth doing. One of the first things I ask, even when I'm just simply doing marketing for a company, is I ask about what kind of leads are they getting? Here's some of the questions, actually. Let me just lay it out for you, and then I'll explain where I'm coming from. 
How many sales opportunities have you gotten in the last 30, 90 day, 30 or 90 days or six months? Like all three, just track them all. How many leads did it take you to get these opportunities? How many leads were bad? Either it was a solicitor or it was made by mistake. And of those sales conversions or opportunities that you had, how many converted to a sale? Okay, so after reviewing these numbers, you should know this ratio. How many leads does it take to get how many opportunities to get how many sales? Okay, every industry is going to have different standards, but some industries have consistent metrics that are common in that business. For example, in the car business, typically 100 leads will equal 10 appointments or opportunities, and from 10 opportunities, a good salesperson, well, let's say a marginal salesperson, will get at least one car deal out of that. So it's 100 leads to one car deal. That's a big number, a big ratio. A good salesperson will average two to three cars per 10 appointments, okay? Now, like I said, every every company and, and industry has a different standard. Your goal is to get familiar with your numbers that way, if they change, you can begin exploring various reasons they fluctuated up or down and either fix it or do what is working, do more of what's working. So like I was saying earlier, when I do a business audit or even a marketing audit, oftentimes I'm asking people, what are your numbers? How many leads are you getting? What's your closing ratio? Because the next question I ask let's just take it slow. Say, for example, the business doesn't even know. They're like, I don't even know what my numbers are. Well, let's look at them. Once we have a baseline, now we can move forward and say, is our marketing working? Is the problem with our sales department? Um, You get the gist, okay? So I'm going to break it down a little bit more for you too. I think it's also important to note that this is a great time to set goals. Look at your data and set realistic, achievable goals to help you get moving in the direction you want to go. And while I'm on the subject of random extras, I will point out that if your lead count is low, but your conversion rate is high, the problem is not sales. So what I mean is, if you're saying something like this, man, almost every person I talk to buys, I just wish I could talk to more people then this thing you need is more leads. And that's really what you gotta focus on is your messaging and your visibility. So essentially that's the next step for you. Now, perhaps you have too many leads and you're not able to get to them all in a quality manner. Then here's a spoiler alert, episode eight is gonna help you with that. (laughs) All right, so for the purposes of this episode and to keep me from going down my own bunny trails, focusing on sales. Here's how to know if you or your team is not bringing it home in front of the customer. This is a big secret and you need to ask yourself if you're ready for this because if you're not, you should try sitting down. Okay, I'm just kidding. Here's the deal. If people don't buy from you and you're getting a decent amount of leads, well, then your problem is probably sales. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's a little obvious, right? Like I said, every industry will have different conversion ratios, but on average, if your conversion ratio is below 20%, and by that I mean opportunities to closing. So let me back that up a minute and explain it again. Let's pretend for just a minute we're in a car business situation where the ratios should equal. 100 leads turns into 10 appointments where they come in and meet, test drive, etc., 
and that should equal about two car deals would be ideal. If your closing ratio is less than that, then there is room for improvement, okay? The problem is either the salesperson, the product, or it could also be the offer. But today, we're going to focus on the salesperson. So let's face it, sales is hard for most people. Even though it comes naturally to all of us when we're kiddos, it doesn't always stay with us, right? I mean, think about it. Can you even think about a child that is not good at convincing their parents of something that they really, really want? I can't. We all have the ability to sell. When we go out for job interviews, when we go on a date, heck, even when we're just trying to get our friends to go to our favorite restaurant this time instead of the usual hangout. We all sell, but we don't all think we're salespeople. And that gnarly word, my friends, is what stops us. That word is think. Most of the time, what stops people from being good at sales is their mind. They're worrying too much about what people think and don't want to appear salesy. I have news for you. If you're worried about that, I guarantee you, I mean, I guarantee you 100%, there is no way you could ever come across that way. All the salesy salespeople I've ever met either have no idea that they are that way or they straight up don't care. The good news is (laughs) there is a way to be effective in sales without being pushy, overbearing, or obnoxious. Sales is about two things. One, asking the right questions, and two, delivering the right amount of information in a helpful way. One mistake I see people make is they start dousing their prospects with all the great facts about their product or service, Like a fire hose putting out a raging fire, they verbally vomit everything they know about what they're selling. The problem is people cannot take in all that information and it feels overwhelming. Listen to this. If your prospect is leaving by saying, wow, you've been so informative, or sometimes they might even use the word helpful. Wow, you've been so helpful and finish with, you've really given us a lot to think about. That, my friends, is a red flag that you're a fireman flooding prospects with too much information. The solution is to start with a questionnaire. Find out what information they want to know about. Find out what their needs are and ask them what they need to know to make an informed decision. Then give them what they asked for in small, bite-sized chunks. If they still seem interested, invite them to take the next step by either scheduling a follow-up or better yet, by making a purchase. So now you know what to do if you're a fireman salesperson and how you can turn that around and close more deals. Another common mistake I see is being too shy to ask for the sale. Let's face it, coming out and saying, so do you wanna buy my stuff? Is definitely too forward and quite frankly, a little bit weird. But not asking is worse. If you've ever experienced awkward silence on your sales calls, that means either you, one of two things, you either haven't primed them up to ask you, what is it going to take to work with you? Or it's time for you to test the closing waters. By the way, I'm using the word closing here to mean closing a sale. So there are creative ways to get an idea about whether your prospect is even remotely interested in buying. They're called closing questions. Here's a good warm up question. 
So say you've been um, talking to your prospect for a while and you've given them a bunch of information. You've answered their questions. Not too much, of course. And you're kind of getting down that road where you're, I call it awkward alley. You're starting to. Do you have podcasting questions? Are you looking for a community where you can learn and grow as a podcaster? Hi, I'm Greg, creator of Indie Drop-In Network. Join me and Jeff Townsend, a.k.a. the Indie Podcast Father, on Twitter Spaces every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern for Podcasting Power Hour. Every week, we are joined by experts on different aspects of podcasting to help the community learn and grow as creators. We tackle questions from podcasters at every level. Just go to podcastingpowerhour.com for links to the space and to hear previous episodes. That's podcastingpowerhour.com. Walk down awkward alley where, um, you know, their silences are lingering and people are starting to shift or maybe you can hear the movement on the other end of the line if you're on the phone. The next question out of your mouth should be, what other questions do you have? Notice I didn't say, have I answered all of your questions? Have I answered all of your questions is a yes or no question. The goal in pre-closing questions is to keep the conversation moving and to extract information as to how motivated they are to buy. Rather, the question, what other questions do you have? Kind of leaves them with this expectation that they have to ask more questions or they're going to say, you know, I'm not sure or I think you've answered them all which is a great segue into your next question, okay? So once you've answered all their questions, your response then is, great, is there any reason then why you wouldn't choose, why you wouldn't consider purchasing this today? Whatever the case may be, right? Whatever it is that you're selling. Notice how I use the word wouldn't consider. Often people's most natural reaction to a question is to answer negatively or with a no. So for example, when you if you were to say, okay, great, well, did you wanna purchase today? Um, first of all, that's a pretty forward question and can come across as seeming very pushy, but by saying, Hey, so that's great. I'm glad I've answered all your questions. Now, is there any reason you wouldn't want to purchase? It seems to be a little bit more offhanded, so to speak, and not as intimidating. Plus people's natural reaction is to answer with no, but if they say no to that question, guess what? Then they're inevitably saying yes to purchasing. This is a very subtle way of asking that plays into human psychology, but it has one more huge benefit. If they actually do have a reason not to purchase, they'll tell you their objection, okay? So friends, in the world of sales, we are going to face rejection. Fearing rejection can be the very thing that keeps you from asking for the sale. My advice is to embrace it. Embrace the objection because once they tell you what is holding them back, guess what you have? More to talk about. A great way to come back to an objection without seeming like a sleazeball is to say, well, that's a great point and something I really encourage everyone to consider. Obviously, especially if that's true, right? You're not just going to say that to say that. And folks, while you're considering it, you may also want to take a look at and then fill in the blank with whatever information you have that counters that objection. So once again, it's a soft approach to giving them more to think about. All right, side note, side sidebar. (laughs) Here's a great moment to tell you what I believe sales really is. It is simply educating people. Not every product will be for every person, and I understand that. 
but too often people pass good products simply because of a bad salesperson, someone who was unable to show them how the product or service actually does solve the problem they have. So if you're experiencing uncomfortable endings, those awkward alleys to your conversation, it's probably because you're not asking for the sale. Awkward alleys are those narrowing of conversations when it's close to the end, but it's still just going weirdly. Stop walking through awkward alley and ask those closing questions. Experience has taught me that most people who struggle with this simply just need to know what to say to finish the conversation. So hopefully the dialogue I gave you will get you going. Now, I will never forget when I got promoted to sales for the first time. My first month on the floor was a comedy act, I'm sure. I was working for Ford with zero training except from another sales guy who was considered, quote, a top sales guy, but who couldn't teach worth a darn. I was so incredibly nervous and I felt an immense amount of pressure, not only to make the sale, but also to be liked by my customers. I was a nervous wreck. I still remember how my mind raced with questions. What if they don't buy? What if they think I'm too pushy? What if I'm not pushy enough? What if I get in trouble from the sales manager because I didn't follow the steps? What if, what if, what if? First of all, thank God those days are over and I finally learned how to feel comfortable in my own skin. But do you know what I did with all that nervous energy? I talked too much. I didn't know when to shut up. Let's call this bad habit yappy pappy. And trust me, you don't want to be a yappy pappy. This is another common downfall of salespeople. It isn't so much that they don't know how to be quiet. In reality, they don't know how to use silence effectively. Yes, silence is a sales tool, believe it or not. Do you know when the best time to be quiet is? Right after you asked a closing question, as a matter of fact. So take the question I gave you earlier. Now that I've answered all of your questions, is there any reason you wouldn't want to move forward with getting yourself some false teeth? Okay, I made that up to be humorous. But after you replace false teeth with your product or service, then be quiet. Let them think. Most of the time, people are talking themselves into buying from you, not out of it. If the prospect already found your message and found it motivating enough to be on a call with you or in person, then they were at least 60% sold on buying from you by the time you met. By now, they've either made up their mind that they aren't into this product or service, like it's definitely not for them, or they're just working out how they can move forward with you. There's really nothing more for you, the salesperson, to say. Once again, often this is the part where you get to find out what their real objection is, and I promise you don't want to miss it. So let me give you a quick recap. First of all, track your numbers to determine if sales is really a weakness or if you just need more leads. Then start evaluating your interactions on sales calls. If you get people thanking you for what a big help you are, you're being a fireman and hosing them with too much information. If you're experiencing awkward endings to your conversations, you're walking down awkward alley and need to turn it around by asking better closing questions. And if your people can't get, like they can't wait to get away from you, well, you just might be a yappy pappy. All right, friends, that wraps it up until next time. Bye for now. If you like mommy's show, leave a review.